Bonjour et bienvenue à le Grand Prix de Monaco. I, I mean, hello and welcome to the Monaco Grand Prix. This is the AJ on the Line podcast and this is your Grand Prix review in which the FIA went for a spot of lunch, Charles Leclerc didn't win it or bin it, and Sergio Perez, you're not crying, we are. We have just finished watching what was almost one of the worst races of the year, if not the worst race. We had a few flashbacks to Spa last year, I think, didn't we? But despite nearly falling asleep during the race, I fortunately stayed awake to watch one of the greatest Grand Prix that I've seen in a while. Would you two agree with that, Jimmy and Joe? It's a very unusual race, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure, yeah. I'm not sure whether I agree with it, to be honest, best. but there we go. That's fine. I, I was talking to Jimmy earlier about this. It's not about living in an echo chamber. What ratings are we going to give for this Monaco Grand Prix then? Because I thought it was pretty decent. Um, I'd say I find it like quite hard to rank, but I think I'd say sort of four. Four? Yeah. Four? You're saying sub um, Yeah, I am. I am. Yeah. No, I just think that aside from the sort of five ten lap period where we had the the tire change drama just there wasn't really anything that happened but it's monaco so nothing's going to happen in comparison at any other race obviously having the top four running that close would be tense but i don't i don't think there was ever any danger of an overtake ever like I think that I think they could be driving round like that now, and they'd still just be those four in that thing. Like you, they could do that for days, and just nothing would ever happen. And at no point did I feel that something was going to happen. Therefore, it was quite boring. I tell you what, it reminds me of Joe. It reminds me of you and I when we were battling it out on the go kart track on Friday, because. As long as you drive in the right places, you you can drive in such a way to ensure that no one overtakes mm. you. And that is very much the case in Monaco as well. Um, of course, let's not forget you did leave a gap one time and that was enough. Um, not that I'm going to let that go easily. Um, Jimmy, you were surprised with Joe's four. What are you going to rate the Grand Prix? I was going to give it a seven, I have to say. Um, it's a bit of a shame that it, the red flood came around when it did. I thought it it was just getting going, um, and then it all stopped, unfortunately, and it took a bit of time to get going, and then the final few laps were, were very uh, interesting. I know it's very difficult to overtake, but it reminded me of sort of Mansell, Senna, you know, Hamilton. Was it Hamilton keeping behind Verstappen in 2018? Mm. Or 2019? 2019, yeah. So, so yeah, it was, I thought it was quite a good race. Um, but... That's why I thought there was no tension because of those examples you've just brought up. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo managed to keep behind several cars with 160 brake horsepower less than those cars. Lewis Hamilton managed to keep the cars behind with tyres that had just completely died for about 40 laps. You know, and so, you know, Perez had a little bit of a lockup, but was otherwise on equal pace. I just don't think that there was ever going to be any overtake. They could have done it for years. But let's not forget, Joe, 
Perez drove brilliantly throughout the weekend and maybe we should recap a few of the key highlights just to give a little bit of context. The Monaco Grand Prix weekend, I I think that we can agree that the highlight is qualifying. The final session of qualifying, mm. the fuel is low, the tyres are grippy, the drivers are right on the limit, the walls are so near and you get to see why these drivers are the 20 best in the world, arguably. Um, so what a dramatic end. It always throws it up, but that final session of qualifying, Jimmy, did you see it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Did you drink it in? Charles Leclerc, he, he, he got pole position, and he was on an even faster lap time, but you also had some other cars that were going quite well. Yeah, so um, Verstappen um, was on a good lap, but Leclerc was, I think, his three tenths up on his quickest quickest lap, and he was three and a half tenths quicker already than the other uh, others. So, so yeah, um, he was on a brilliant lap, and then obviously um, Perez uh, spun it. I don't know what corner it was just before he got into the tunnel. Um, Portier, exactly, that's the one, and then. Um, Science for good measure decided to uh, take avoiding action and then block the road. Uh, and then that sort of stopped everybody from going past and completing their laps. Which was fortunate for Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez because they were in the second and third position on the grid behind Charles Leclerc. But it annoyed Max Verstappen, didn't it? He, he was very annoyed when um, he uh, Perez basically spun and then, um, yeah, it was, it was a red flag, wasn't there? There was indeed. That was the end of qualifying and whatever laps were being set by drivers had to come to an end because they couldn't get through the track. It was all blocked off. Yeah. So what that meant, to be fair, Perez, he'd been a tenth ahead of Verstappen through the first corner all weekend um, up to that point. So he probably did deserve to be ahead of Verstappen. And boy, did he need that after... Uh, the disappointment of the Spanish Grand Prix. I know we discussed it and Max Verstappen probably would have won the Spanish Grand Prix despite the team orders, but it was a little bit of a, a dagger in the heart for Sergio just a week ago. So to be showing Max away in qualifying then through a little bit of luck granted, but to be ahead of him in qualifying must have been a nice feeling, despite the fact there was a Ferrari 1-2 at the top and it looked set for a Charles Leclerc home win, which is what we had been predicting, wasn't it, Joe? That Charles Leclerc was either going to win it or bin it. And he was looking on course to do the first part because he, did, he didn't crash out this time in qualifying. Well, not in qualifying, no, but I mean, he still had uh, 78 laps at that point to bin it. Um, but yeah, no, it's a good qualifying from him. Remarkably, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, maybe if we'd have done the full race distance, he would have. But yeah. Bit harsh, uh, but you know, probably warranted. So all week, people had been saying, or oh, might be a bit of rain on Sunday for the race, might be a bit of rain. Then we wake up on Sunday morning, some later than others, and look at the weather forecast and it's saying, yeah, there's not going to be any rain. All the teams are saying, nah, it's never, there's not going to be any rain. We thought there was going to be, but there isn't. So uh, 
They're rocking up to the trap. We're all expecting a, a bit of a snooze fest, to be honest, aren't we? And then the heavens open just 10 minutes before the start of the race. And my, did it change the complexity of the race because it meant that Charles Leclerc, while he was on pole position, he had it all to lose with any mistake being punished heavily in that rain. Um, well, they, they often talk about Monaco being a bit like driving a bike around your living room, but imagine doing that on ice. That's what driving around Monaco in the rain is akin to, I would imagine, because I've never done it personally. Not sure who's got ice in their living room. But it's an analogy, go. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe laminated floor instead. How about that? Well, that's, not, that's nowhere near as slippy as ice, is it? I don't think a laminated floor would have become one of the most popular flooring decisions in, in houses if it was as slippy yeah, as ice. Yeah, but it's pretty slippy, isn't it? Because when you you got no, no, no shoes on, you've got socks on, you walk around. You know. I've not flipped... Have you ever tried sliding for fun? This is awful. What specifically is awful, Joe? Because there were many things to point out there. <laughs> <laughs> this whole conversation, I regret bringing it up. Which is why I'm going to move it on. <laughs> <laughs> because it rained, it poured, the FIA went, right, let's go for a spot of lunch and we'll decide when we're going to do the race. Uh, because it, it, it felt like that, didn't it? Because there was an hour and we were like, what's going on here? Have the French police come and tear gas people like they did before the um, Champions League final. But no, it wasn't fan trouble. They were all behaving themselves on their yachts and in their apartments. Um, it was rain and the FIA, they, they didn't seem to have a plan, did they? What are your thoughts, Jimmy? Yeah, it was very bizarre. I heard rumours that it was a, uh, a power outage somewhere or other. So, you know, they used the rain as a sort of an excuse to say the teams need a bit more time to set up. By the time they messed about um, faffing about with the changing the tyres and all that sort of running around and, and absolute pandemonium trying to sort the tyres out and all that sort of stuff, um, it absolutely was hammering it down and it was really, really wet. Um, and then it starts into the safety car. it was car. too late to start. It was, yeah. So then it was a red flag. It's pretty predictable. It reminded me of Spa last year, unfortunately. It was it was too similar to Spa, given what had gone on. And while Spa is not a cheap day out, Monaco is even more expensive. So if, if what had happened in Spa repeated itself in Monaco, I bet the fans that went weren't going to be too pleased. Fortunately, though... Their patience was welcomed. The race got underway eventually and Charles Leclerc looked like he was going to dominate. He was walking away. The track was wet. Um, but as tends to happen when it stops raining, eventually the track dries. Before they got onto the dry tyres, the quicker, grippier tyres, they still had to go to what are called the intermediate tyres, uh, which still have a little bit of more ability to get rid of the rain disperse the the standing water if you will but in all of the palaver of changing tires for the right time somehow ferrari managed to to mess things up and carlos Sainz called a good strategy to get him out ahead of uh, Charles leclerc but the person that made the strategy work best was perez 
Sergio Perez, exactly. Uh, the tyre whisperer, they call him. And from then on, there was there was a crash with Mick Schumacher. Fortunately, he's okay. Um, and then it was pretty much plain sailing. As Joe said, four cars going at it right into the latter stages of the race. It was exciting for me, but it was apparently less so exciting for you, Joe. But... I think that's a good summary of what, what went on there. Now that we've broken the race down, let's have a chat about the awards. Joe, we will begin with me. Um, <laughs> with with uh, the biggest winner, it's got to be Sergio Perez. Um, he, like I said, had a little bit of heartbreak last time being told to get out of the way for Max uh, because he was on a different strategy. Um, and in a different race, apparently. But then he outperformed Max Verstappen in qualifying and practice and in the race. Um, and he managed to win the Monaco Grand Prix, the first Mexican driver to do that in history. He's now won the most Grand Prix for a Mexican. Yes, it's only three, but it's still a historical day in that country's sporting history so Sergio Perez should be really proud of that and also he had a, his third child the other day so there's a lot of emotion going on and you could see it on that podium couldn't you Joe when he was weeping to the national anthem it's got to be Sergio Perez for biggest winner hasn't it yeah I was trying hard to find a way to disagree with you but I mean I don't <laughs> think you can really I don't think anyone else is really gained that much into or lost that much uh, well no why did I say lost I don't think anyone else has uh, really gained that much in terms of the championship um so yeah I think undeniable that Sergio Perez is the biggest winner um and it's like a great response to last week for him um and obviously every F1 driver wants to win Monaco um so that's a big big win for him I mean Tom Cruise is doing well nowadays. I, I mean, um, isn't Sergio... Pe sorry, Sergio Perez, not Tom Cruise. Um, isn't Sergio only 15 points behind Max Verstappen now in the championship? Yeah. That's what I read. I imagine he's close because of Max's extra DNF. But I was going to go down a slightly different route. Um, For your biggest winner, Jimmy? Yeah, so the second drivers of Formula 1, both... Uh, Perez and Science did a really good job with with both their teams, and they as well. Science was was brilliant, um, very close to Leclerc all weekend, and Perez uh, came up trumps as well. I know he he caused the red flag and all that sort of stuff, but I think um, there was quite a lot of talk uh, before the weekend um, with uh, Perez and Science being second drivers, and especially after uh, Spain. So it just gives. Um, I don't think necessarily Ferrari, but with Red Bull in particular, it just maybe puts the emphasis back on Perez and sort of suggests that he's not just going to be a second driver, he's going to really fight. Absolutely. The second drivers of Formula One. But Sergio Perez is the biggest winner because he beat Carlos Sainz. Yeah. Although at least Carlos Sainz yeah. had a fairly tidy weekend. He's not had one of those in a while and he's needed that. So it is a good point that you but make. But I'm not sure, he'd, uh, not sure he'd be appreciate being called a second driver. Oh, no. But nor would Sergio Perez. How do you think... Red yeah, but I think Perez's his second driver position is more obvious within the team. Who is a better Formula One driver? 
Sergio Perez, Valtteri Bottas, Daniel Ricciardo. Because they're all part of the same de- generation. Um, well, are we, do- are, we doing- are we doing primes or overall career? Because prime Ricciardo would be the best of those three. However... I'd say Ricciardo. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. On his best day, Ricardo is well clear of the other two, I think. But in terms of consistency, over the, obviously Daniel Ricardo's also had probably lower lows than the other two. So it's hard, it's hard to say. Because the more I look at it, the more I think, bloody hell, Perez and Valtteri Bottas, because they've been sat next to Lewis Hamilton and... Um, Max Verstappen for the past yeah. year or so they're so underrated for how good they are and they're, they're part of the definitely they're generation in, definitely. and well obviously they've been in better cars but um, like Valtteri Bottas has won more races than Daniel Ricciardo yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't think either of them have had anything that gets close to, say, Daniel Ricciardo's 2014 season. No. Where he comes into a Red Bull, outperforms a world champion, he's won four championships in a row. You know, I don't, no, I don't see Perez or Bottas doing that. You're right, but that was 2014, that's eight years ago now. And and it is a concern. Has Has anyone... Has anyone got Daniel Ricciardo for biggest loser this week? Nope. Uh, no, I didn't, but it is another poor performance from him. It's, so. it's worrying, isn't it? Because that Brown did bring up the fact that they can get out of the third year next year of the deal that McLaren have done with Daniel Ricciardo. That's putting more pressure on him. And he, he wasn't, well, he was at the races today, but he wasn't in the part of the race that he wanted to be in. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit sketchy. Uh, rumours of Pierre Gasly replacing him, mm, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. That's a, that's I a thought they'd go the with one of the IndyCar drivers, really. Award or is it uh, Not, and Herter? It's Colton Herter, I think, is favourite above Award. It just depends how he gets on when he does a test for McLaren later mm. this year. Yeah. So that will be Well, they're both divided. driving in the Indy 500 right now, aren't they? So Probably not Montoya, though, right? He's a bit too, a bit too old, I imagine. Well, Pablo Montoya. Yeah, he's in Indy this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, did, we didn't say they were considering the whole Indy grid, Jimmy. <laughs> how old is he? 40-something? Yeah. Yeah. He must be. Old. Yeah. He was such a waste of... Good talent in F1, it really was. But we will move on to our biggest losers. So we'll begin with you, Jimmy. So my biggest loser um, is the FIA. This uh, it's a bit harsh, but I thought the whole sort of race start was a bit farcical, um, and the way they did it wasn't the best. I mean, especially with the second red flag, it would have been nice to see a standing start. I don't see why they couldn't have a standing start, to be honest. It was dry enough. Um, so, yeah, it was just a bit of a bit of a weird situation. And especially with it starting late and all that sort of stuff, I just found it quite bizarre. Um, yeah, so FIA for me. I'd agree with that one. I, uh, I, I had that as my biggest loser as well. Um, and... Uh, well, that's that's my thing to get angry about this week. 
Welcome to Joe's Angry Corner. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I received feedback, Adam, that that's not a very good title. So, uh... <laughs> okay, Charlie, what 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 should we call it? How about Joe's words of wisdom? No, no, that's that's worse. Go on. Given that you want, given that you want your own segment, what what are you going to call it? Joe? I don't want my own segment. I'm just going to get angry about something now. That is the thing that they need to sort out. I think I think the worst thing about it this week is that we've had a situation not even twelve months ago that we should have learned from and gone. Yeah, this can't happen again. And then they've basically... I know it hasn't worked out quite as badly, but, I mean, it was still a complete farce of a situation. They were lucky They, they the could have improved. started the race on... Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. What would have happened had the weather not improved? Don't really know. Um, it was the point and, that Martin Brundle was saying, oh, well, in yeah. that case, let's race tomorrow. Yeah, they got, they've, they've been... They've made themselves look very silly, and the only reason they don't look sillier is because they got bailed out by the weather improving. It is what what were they waiting for for the track to become dry? What's I mean, the, point in wet the conditions the conditions at the actual start time were probably intermediate conditions. You'd say, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And and you should you should you should be able to drive on inters you know what what's the point of even having the tires if we're not gonna do the race like that and then to not do the standing start think think about how good monaco 2008 was Mm. probably worse conditions than that and they they -hmm. started a standing start yes safety Mm -hmm. has to come as a a high priority yeah of course it does but i mean they can argue all they want that they were trying to be on the the, safe, the safer side of safety, but they took ages to bring out a red flag when Mick Schumacher's car was split in half. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of a. I would also argue section. that that Monaco in the wet is probably one of the safer ones these days because you're not going to be getting above a hundred miles an hour, really. I mean, apart from on the main straight. Yeah, it's understandable really in not... Spa because. I mean, someone died there in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, like oh, you're gonna you're gonna be do- you, yes, and you're gonna be doing you're gonna be doing nearly two hundred miles an hour in the wet in Spa, but in Monaco they're gonna be just be creeping round. So I don't know. I don't. I didn't think it was a particularly unsafe thing that they were avoiding. And then, like, yeah, it's just it was very silly. I agree with Jimmy. They've they've made themselves mm. look a bit silly. It goes to uh, what I was talking about. Uh, last week in terms of that split between the FIA and F1 mm. um, they didn't help themselves there that's that's become a joke as well I mean when John Todd was there nothing bad everybody was happy everything was fine and then this chap comes along <laughs> I'm not sure yeah, that's no, the case it, it does seem like but it no, does he... seem like this new chap's come in and he's gone right I want more money out of F1, they're not paying enough, or something like that, or he doesn't get Formula 1 because it just seems a bit crazy and a bit disjointed, all the stuff with pants and piercings and all that jazz, and, yeah, doesn't make sense. And I, I noticed that Lewis Hamilton raced with piercings in this weekend, so... Yeah, I saw so that. he's obviously been given more time. Now, Mohammed bin Salayan is a different president 
to Jean Todd. But my understanding is that Todd, um, who who used to be the Ferrari team principal, has, so he's deeply ingrained uh, amongst the people in the paddock and very well, well respected, as Jimmy referred to. Some people have suggested, that, from what I've heard, um, that Jean Todd allowed Formula One to um, take more power from the FIA than maybe the FIA wanted. So it almost seems as though um, Mohammed bin Salayan is trying to do a power move, if you like, to try and regain some of the territory that the FIA had lost. But as a result of doing that, he is targeting some of F1's biggest um, names and ruffling some feathers as a result. So it is an Mm. interesting situation. Maybe they should come up with a start procedure for if it rains before they uh, start thinking about earrings, you know? That might be a good idea. Um, Yeah. If it rains, this is how we're going to start the race. Because rain rain occasionally happens, in my experience. Yes. And Formula One, look, we all, we like a wet race. I mean, look, there are occasions where it does get too much. You know, in Spa, the rain was clearly too much. But... They need to have procedures in, in in place for, A, if it is raining way too much, or B, if it isn't, you know, if the conditions are drivable, we shouldn't lose F1 in mm. the wet, I don't think. Because that's when the skill comes in, doesn't it, of the drivers and who can be, um, oh, yeah. who can be imperious and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, and to, yeah, I completely agree. So while I concede that the FIA are the biggest losers this week, I've still got to give mine, and that is Charles Leclerc, because he got pole at his home race. And it wasn't so much his fault that he lost out. Um, I felt bad for him in, in terms of being called into the pit lane, and then they were like, stay out, stay out, stay out. And then he was already and you felt the frustration coming through, didn't you? It was akin to... Uh, Bono telling Lewis Hamilton to stay out, stay out, stay out. Um, in, 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 no, stay out. Um, when, when, when was it? It was in Hockenheim 2018. It's Hockenheim 2018, yeah. Um, and for there was also Kimi Raikkonen at Silverstone but, a yes. few years ago as well that had a very similar one. <laughs> it's too late now. And it was too late. <laughs> and it was the same race engineer, I seem to think. It could well be, yeah. yeah. So, um, Ferrari, well, they seem to be improving in terms of their trackside operations. Maybe they they didn't uh, fully improve uh, this race because I think that 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 probably cost Charles at least a podium. Um, I think we could agree on that, and perhaps even the win. So, bit gutted for the, the hometown hero, but at least he's finally finished a race in Monaco. It took a while. Um, but he's done it, so we were all wrong, weren't we, Joe and Jimmy, uh, for suggesting he would win it or bin it. But there you go. We can move on yeah. because there were some moments. I know that there weren't as many moments as, say, uh, Spain. There was still some great action. Joe, what was your favourite piece of action for the moment of the weekend? I mean, really, the only... Uh bit of the race I found really interesting was the uh, 
tyre changing. It's always uh, it's always when you're going from wet to dry, the, it gets very entertaining to see who's going to take the gamble to go on to the, the uh, intermediates or slicks first, who's going to get those tyres actually working, um, who maybe is going to take a risk. So, I mean... And some drivers are better than it than others. You know, I mean, Jensen Button used to absolutely shine in those conditions, um, whereas some get it wrong. Uh, but yeah, and I think around a track where you where it's hard to overtake, that is where you're going to get most of your position changes. Um, I don't really think there are any changes in the top ten after the track had become fully dry. Were there? It was very minimal, if any. Um... Maybe as a result of Sonoda going off at turn one, as he kept seeming to do, bless him. Mm. Um, I, yeah. I had this, and obviously because of Ocon's penalty as yeah. well, that but, that changed yeah. the order a little bit. But I, I had the same idea for my moment of the weekend, that crossover period, and it, it came to an end when yeah. Schumacher had his crash, which was a bit of a shame. Especially, it was quite unfortunately timed, that wasn't it? Because I think that. In Monaco, obviously, when you've got that low grip situation, that's when you're going to get the overtakes, when you get people making a mistake on the exit of a yeah. corner. Um, they a chance to dry up a bit more, didn't they? Yeah, which was unfortunate, but there we go. Can't have everything. Um, but there there was a little bit of... Uh, well, you mentioned Ocon, didn't you? Him and Lewis came together. Uh, mm. Quite an odd incident, but Hamilton seemed to be caught up with all of the Alpines, didn't he, today? That that was his race, and he was unfortunate to get stuck yeah. behind Ocon, break his wing there, and then uh, Alonso backed him up by 50 seconds over not many laps, yeah. which was... Is it me, or did, did, did Hamilton hit Ocon twice? But I swear, he hit him, his wing was damaged, on, he hit him on the one side, and then, then there was damage on the other side of his wing. It looked like mm. it. It did look like it. And I'm I'm convinced there was another incident that Maybe we didn't see. Yeah. yeah, because because there was the one where he was on the outside, but I also remember seeing um after the race, um uh, the, they they showed him trying on the inside, so yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't see. Again, little secondary rant, T V direction yeah. was rubbish again. Well, in Monaco, it's actually done by a Monegas company, it is, isn't it? It so is it's, done by a different... It's not yeah. the usual people that you're having a moan at. Also, so, th- there seemed to be some problem with the um, graphic d- displaying what tyres people were on. Yeah. It, it had Fernando Alonso on full wets for ages when he wasn't. Well, it just shows that um, nobody can please you, Joe, uh, when it comes to uh, the, the TV direction. Maybe you should do that. I think they should probably get more than one person to do it. Keep an eye on what's... They have a team. You know. <laughs> have, have you not seen any of <laughs> those mean... videos um, where, the, where they show behind the scenes? So um, I know it's a few years ago now, but you know, well, we've, we've already brought it up, Hockenheim 2018 where Vettel goes off and then Hamilton has yeah. and all that drama's going on. If you look on YouTube, there's a really interesting video of behind the scenes uh, in terms of the mm-hmm. F1 direction where you can hear the director saying, right, show this shot, and one, two, three, and go over here. It's quite good. 
Jimmy, you need to go on and tell us about your moment of the weekend. Um, my moment of the weekend would probably be the uh, the uh, the handing over of the trophy or the podium celebration with Perez. Uh, it's just really nice to see, you know, Perez winning, especially after last time around where everybody sort of, as I said beforehand, sort of said he's a second driver and all this sort of stuff. Um, and it's just nice... You said that he was a second driver just a few moments ago. You yeah, just called however, him one. I was using that to make a point. Now I'm sort of saying, uh, you know, is he a second driver? Is he not a second driver? He still is probably a second driver. I mean, let's be honest, yeah, he is a second driver. Um, but it was just nice to see him, because he's pretty, pretty annoyed. So, so yeah, really nice to see him get the uh, the win. I think what we need to do with you, Jimmy, is every time you swear from now yeah. on, in any podcast, you're going to donate a pound to my marathon charity for the Royal Institute of the Blind. Okay. <laughs> well, why don't I gain? You get to gain. <laughs> I'm not happy with charity. I want to gain. It's a charity that's gaining. Don't you gain from looking at Jimmy's face every time you go, oh, no, another pound. <laughs> I'll go on. Do then. you agree to that? I'll let you off this time, Charity. If you agree to it, from Come now. on, let's do a, a virtual handshake. Where are you? There you go. Look at that. Deal. Deal. I'm with you, Jake. Right. <laughs> and now, if you don't swear, you're going to look stingy. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll do a couple just to, you know, make sure I'm a... Ch- people know I'm a charitable person. I'll, t- and, uh, I'll tot it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and if you want, if you listening want to donate, um, go to my Just Giving page. Um, I'll leave it in the description. It's justgiving.com slash AJ for the blind. So, <laughs> more on the Monaco Grand Prix because we've got to give out our, our honourable mentions. Easy for me to say. My honourable mention for the Monaco Grand Prix goes to the Monaco Grand Prix. Now, a bit confusing perhaps, but this is the last Monaco Grand Prix that we could ever have because it doesn't have a contract renewed for next year. Or the ones going ahead. There's been a lot of talk about whether the Monaco Grand Prix will continue. Um, They don't pay as much money as other races. As Joe has said, well, I think we can all agree it's, it's not as interesting as other races, but it's a classic race, it's a classic track, and people recognise F1 for Monaco and vice versa. So it's almost like they've got an incestuous relationship. Whether that's a good thing, I don't know, but I, I think it's, it's, it's important to acknowledge um, the other thing that, that you've got to consider with Monaco is that they are special in other ways. Like they've got their own media company that does it, as we've said, but also they organise their own sponsorship for the race rather than letting F1 do it. Uh, and it leads to kind of awkward circumstances, for example, um, Tag Heuer being the official watch of the Monaco Grand Prix. Um but Rolex was the official watch of Formula One, so Rolex aren't happy with Formula One that Tag Heuer has been plastered all over the Monaco Grand Prix track. So commercially, it makes sense that they can iron something out that puts Monaco on a bit more of a, a level playing field with the with the, the rest of the, the 
countries that are trying to compete for Formula One, especially as all of the races have been sold out so far. It's a sport in demand that we talk about these days. Can I I just say something? I've got a very important thing to say. I know it's unusual, but I actually do. Um, It's just... What, what, what annoys me mostly about the the fees that Formula One trucks have to pay is they always get it always gets passed on to the racing consumer, so the people who go to the events, and it just makes it more and more expensive. I mean, the last time I went to um, British Grand Prix, it was about sixty percent cheaper than it was now to go to the British Grand Prix. So obviously, costs are increasing. I looked, and we paid about two hundred quid a ticket back in two thousand and seven. And now at the same corner for the weekend pass, it's about 650 quid per person. It's yeah. just crazy. And that's the problem. I know if one's a money-making scheme, but it always gets passed on to the consumer. I think uh, Silverstone is a, a particularly um, expensive track to go to because it's one of the only races where the government doesn't fund the race. Um, whereas other countries governments do fund the grand prix being in their country uh, because they they like the tourism uh whereas silverstone itself has to raise the funds uh so so it is a little bit more tricky there but you're definitely right in terms of tickets going up it's an interesting one but a simple yes or no will do joe and jimmy should monaco remain on the grand prix calendar yes yeah i agree with you um so sort it out f1 yeah i'm sure they will i think it's yeah. a bit of grandstanding by both sides and you know a bit of no, i i think you're probably yeah. right waiting to see who blinks first and exactly. all that i think it's good as well to just have a sort of unique race on the calendar i mean because yeah yeah okay the racing's not as good but it's fine what for one race out of 20 to have sort of more of a sort of symbolic meaning i mean like you you get that in sport it's like maybe the last stage of the tour de france is like mostly sort of uh processional um and i think that's sort of fine to have a small portion of it that's got more of a symbolic meaning than whatever um, and obviously you get a great qualifying session and you get to watch the cars being pushed to sort of the absolute limit. So there you go. And the reality is with sport, not every single event is going to be Americanized and, oh my God, this is amazing 100% of the time. Mm. You go and watch yeah. Wolverhampton Wanderers, as we all know, you're not going to mm. be put off going if you're going to watch a boar fest of nil-nil because you're still going to go back and think, well, there's always the chance that I'll I'll see a 5-5. Five, five. I mean, I would like to... I mean, the main thing I'd like to see is the cars made smaller. Yeah. I think that would be the... I think the, we could agree on that, as long as the safety's still there. Yeah, I think that would be the biggest benefit. I don't see any merit in changing the Monaco track um, because... Any change you make, the 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 improvement would be minimal, you know. But you're a purist, aren't you? Yeah, I I do think you know heritage and stuff like that is important in sport somewhat. So there you go. And I said it before, but I don't agree with the Miami Grand Prix, and I also don't agree with the Las Vegas Grand Prix. I think Austin's a brilliant track, and I think that should be the only track in America because it, it distills everything. When you say you don't agree with them. I don't see the appeal. It's just there to make money. 
to be honest. And, you know, Formula One, of course, it's a wealthy sport and all that stuff, and it's a commercial sport, and it's always there to make money. However, I just think they're pushing it a bit too much, and I just think they need to be careful that they don't lose the essence of Formula One, especially with all the old tracks like Spa, Silverstone, uh, Zandvoort, uh, Monza, um, because if they go, I think you lose the heart of Formula One. And that's the big challenge that F1 has because the reason that F1 is in Miami and Las Vegas next year is not to uh, please you, Jimmy, because they, they're not doing it for you. They're, they're doing it for that American audience because it's so commercially viable. At the same time, they've got to make sure that uh, they try and minimise the loss to their European base um, which which is F1's traditional heartlands, but it prides itself in, as being the um, greatest motorsport spectacle uh, in the world. There are different tastes, but the point is that Formula One is in a period where it has to balance, um, where it's pushing for new audience, but at the same time, keeping people like Jimmy happy. Indeed, yeah. Dinosaurs. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be an interesting one to, to go for, forth with. Now, actually, um, that reminds me. I do want to get to your honourable mentions, but I, I've i done some videos on Instagram and TikTok about which places or which two races in each continent other than Antarctica. A lot of people have been commenting on my videos saying, well, what about Antarctica? Which two races would you go to in F1 for Antarctica? I'm not going to rise to that. Uh, but if we start with North America, where would you go and why? Having said all that I said about street tracks in America <laughs> and how they annoy me, the one street track that I think will be absolutely incredible is a Manhattan night race. So you've, you've picked New York. So are you missing out Canada or Austin? Because... Those, uh, those are the two I picked. You'd have to have Montreal and Austin. Uh, in addition, obviously. So you agree with me, Joe? Sorry, I'm not got the wrong end of the stick. No, don't worry. I've suggested that you've got a base layer of two races in each continent, so it's a true world championship, and you can rotate the rest. So you may be able to get a Manhattan Street Circuit. But if you had your base Grand Prix, we'll we'll stick with Montreal and. Austin, because I think that's that's fairly easy. But what about the big one, the controversial one? I'll give you mine. If I had to pick two races in Europe to always have on the calendar, it's got to be Silverstone and Monza. So I'd be I'd be slightly different. I'd mm. go Silverstone and Spa. Yeah, those are your big three, I'd say. So I think I think. Monza has slightly more historical relevance, and yeah, but but look, Spa, Spa's my I prefer Spa's track, so it's a difficult one. And what I've done there is I've completed this segment by proving that none of us think that the Monaco Grand Prix is yeah. a top European track that should be consistently on the calendar. But maybe we can give an exception to that. Yeah, and Monaco's got like <laughs> a special agree, status. There are better tracks. I think you should just take Monaco out of it and give it a given it's always going to be held. But, but the problem is it's got too much of a special status that it's not commercially viable for F1. But we've been over that. Jimmy, what? who's getting your honourable mention? Um, Norris. 
Um, drove a really good race, quite a lonely race good as show. well. Um, even tried to mix it up at the end by going into the pits um, and catching up Russell, um, which he did a bloody good job of. So, so mm. yeah, um, didn't get there, but of course. He got fastest that Only finished not po- he, he finished 0.2 seconds behind really? Russell as Gosh. well. I thought he was quite a whale, yeah. but that's amazing. No, 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 he, he caught right up. I mean, he'd never have passed, as mm. we've already discussed. Um, but Morrison, there we go. He got the extra point for fastest lap, so that was good. Uh, Joe, your honourable mention, please. I'll go Russell. I was going to go either Norris or Russell, and Jimmy's gone. Uh, Jimmy's gone. Norris. Uh, George Russell, fifth again, still hasn't finished outside the top five. He's still above Carlos Sainz in the championship. Wow. Um, so, what a performance! A, all season, and B, again, maximising the result that he could have got. Um, it would have been interesting to see a standing start because if maybe George had managed to get up in front of one of the Ferraris or Red Bulls, I reckon he would have been able to keep him behind. Hmm. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't get that. So. Right, AJ on the line, line of the week to you, Joe. Um, so one of the uh, highlights of uh, that hour of uh, waiting for anything to happen was um, Valtteri Bottas uh, clearly he'd got bored of waiting for something to happen so he uh, provided everyone with a weather update which was the absolutely drenched Monaco track um, with a picture of his uh, nice firm buttocks uh, <laughs> lying down recreating that photo of him um, so yeah the, the line is weather update, but you do need the accompanying picture. And I would encourage everybody um, who's a fan of nice, firm buttocks to go and <laughs> to go <laughs> to go to go and um, to go and look at Valtteri Bottas's Twitter because well, it's Valt- a highly Valtteri amusing. Valtteri Bottas has a brilliant and, social media feed, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, more and more his. Derriere is featuring. Like, <laughs> he does seem to be quite imagine, a big fan of Imagine it. trying to explain to someone why Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas had a photo taken posing with Valtteri Bottas's naked rear in a river <laughs> at the beginning of the Monaco Grand Prix. Like, imagine having to explain that to someone mm. like five years ago as Valtteri Bottas joined Mercedes. Look, your relationship is going to be so good that you give Lewis Hamilton a free copy of your rear at the beginning of a race once you've left the team. I just don't get it, but yeah, it's good. Um, Jimmy, AJ on the line, line of the week. My AJ on the line, line of the week was uh, Ted was doing the uh, Ted's notebook at the end of Saturday. He's walking around the marina in Monaco and there was lots of people asking for his photographs and him posing and doing all this sort of stuff. Then this one uh, English couple came up and said to him, um, you do my head in and then walked oh, off, yeah. which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he said, yeah, my wife says the same yeah, thing. He's a top lad, Ted, Ted is, and I just thought that was funny. Uh, he takes everything in good jest, and he's just, he's a really funny guy. 
there was there was someone that said, "Oh, can I have a photo with you?" He was like, "Yes, of course," and then didn't look he just at read his notes. the phone that they were having a photo at all. He he started reading his notes. He hadn't been reading his notes at that point, but then he starts <laughs> looking down, and just, it's almost <clears> like he's shy or just doing it to make a point. I I don't know, but. Um, rather amusing from Theodore there. Um, my AJ on the line line of the week came from Toto Wolf. What a great man he is. Martin Brundle, Gridwalks, we know how brilliant they are. Um, the Monaco Grand Prix grid was packed as ever. And it always amazes me how Martin Brundle can see through the sea of people to find someone that he actually wants to speak to someone of interest rather than just social media sensations let's say this mm. um <laughs> and he he came across mercedes boss toto wolf and, and he was like oh toto I've not seen you for ages and and toto's response was dry and amusing because he said um maybe it's because um i think you're visiting only the front runners this year um a nice bit of self-deprecation which i know you're a fan of joe yes yes i am listen it was a good weekend in f1 plenty of stories going on plenty of side stories and the championship plot thick and somehow Verstappen has come out leading a little bit more Ferrari they look like they're potentially on the back foot despite two races that Charles Leclerc should have won for mm. them uh, so they'll take two weeks out next time out it's Baku uh, and they will hope that the words I am stupid don't come come out of Charles Leclerc's cockpit um, next time out but before we say goodbye, we've got to do some predictions. So, will Mick Schumacher score his first points, Joe? No. Um, I think the sensible prediction um, is Red Bull 1-2. That car is rapid in a straight line, at least better than the Ferrari. And uh, Baku has... Is it still the longest straight on the calendar? As long as you include... As long as you include those curves as part of the straight. But they are completely flat out. So I think it's the longest section of flat out track on the calendar. Especially now that China's not on the calendar. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Red Bull would be a safe bet for a 1-2. But in which order? Verstappen, Perez. Come on. Look, we're being said this is a sensible prediction. True, true, true. You know? I think any sensible person would uh, suggest that Max Verstappen would beat Sergio Perez should things go according to plan. Right, here's my sensible prediction. A Ferrari driver is going to spin or crash during qualifying or the race at a crucial moment. Um, It feels like they're too prone to that. And I don't want to see it because I, I do like both of those drivers and I want to see them take the fight to Red Bull, but... That seems the sensible thing to predict in our days. Jimmy, your sensible prediction for Baku, Azerbaijan. Um, I would probably go along with Joe as well and say a Red Bull one too. Um, I think, I, I hate to steal your your uh, ideas, Joe, but I think it's a pretty good one. Any possible um, saving graces that Ferrari got themselves sorted in the, that sort of department got some more low drag parts. The bold prediction and we'll, we'll begin with you Jimmy my bold prediction is a Mercedes win 
I said. No, I, it I, isn't, because you've predicted Red Bull to win. I can have two. It's a bold prediction, you know. It's out. No, there. you've got to make sure that you've got to make sure they fit in with each other. That's I always stick to that rule that the predictions have to fit in with each other. But there we go. Yeah, I think that Mercedes are quick in a straight line. They uh, they said that in um, Spain and uh, sorry, I'm talking gibber. <laughs> no, you're not. You literally made perfect sense. Mercedes were the quickest in the speed traps, and that's why I agree with you. I was going to say Lewis Hamilton win Baku. Bold prediction, I know. On the same way, though. Yeah. You and I, like, the thing that you just graduated from, or will graduate from later. Well, let's just wait and uh, see. This year. Um, We haven't graduated yet. There's always a, a nasty surprise around the corner if you're not careful. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> as uh, Charles Leclerc found out when he went into the pit lane. So, Joe, it's time for us to finish off with your bold prediction. Well, I'm actually going to have it to uh, be, be consistent with each other. Uh, I'm going to go for a McLaren 3-4. Oh, very good. I think it's going to be Red Bull 1 and 2 and McLaren 3-4. Why? Just gut instinct, mate. Just I just for some reason something's telling me that McLaren are going to be good round Baku, and they're going to finish third and fourth. Well, we'll hold you to it, um, but at least you've covered it in terms of it being your bold prediction. So if it doesn't happen, you're like, oh well, it was only my bold prediction, so the chances were less high of it happening. Exactly. So yeah, listen. Thank you for. Um, talking to me jimmy and joe it's been a pleasure as usual thank you very much every single person that is listening to this um whether you're listening just because you love f1 or you want to listen to jimmy's soothing voice as he recovers from a race on a sunday evening um whatever the reason we appreciate you um do leave a review subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast and maybe share it with just one friend or family member tell them why they should be listening to us because i think they should be shouldn't definitely. they definitely definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean if you it it just tell numerous people you don't just have to tell one person just tell loads of people. No, but telling numerous people is like a, it's a big job, Jimmy. Yeah, but if there's two, just telling one person. Yeah, it's... but you could get two for the price of one if there's two people standing next to each other, couldn't you? So I'm not limiting them. Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, like don't. Okay, so so don't limit yourself in terms of the number of people that <laughs> that you tell. There we go. And yeah. get in touch with us on Instagram at adamjw44 tiktok at aj on the line and twitter at aj underscore on the underscore line and let us know what ideas what questions you've got for us and we will discuss it as we've we've discussed some of your ideas and comments um, from those videos on uh, which races in the world we should pick so um, once again thank you and we'll be back in Baku 